today today we'll be talking about the issue of um, indigenous women their treatment and how they're represented in media um, to start off with this we'll be talking about media depictions of women and how of indigenous women and how they kind of affect the actual treatment to them in real life um, when it comes to um, representations of indigenous women in media, there's a lot of common trends and threads that we can see. Oftentimes they're over-sexualized, even in forms where they shouldn't be, such as Pocahontas, who compared to her other Disney counterparts, is presented in a much more sexual and animalistic way. Honestly, when I was a kid, I didn't even notice stuff like that, and it sucks that I didn't notice stuff like that. It's stuff that you don't notice because it's so ingrained into like yeah. our idea of what indigenous women are by both like by the media we consume and also by like real life people who consume the exact same media as this, especially yeah. when you're a kid. It's also like, oh, well, women are always sexualized already. Mm -hmm. And then you just throw an indigenous wom woman in there and it's like, oh, well, you are, you're already used to this. You're not going to see a problem with it just because it's somebody of a different, like, race. And as heartbreaking as it is, because of this, like, idea that, like, the more sexual a woman is, the less they matter, it, it, um, it continues even further on when it comes to indigenous women who um, are treated as even less valuable because of this representation. Um, as a matter of fact, um, it, we can see that this kind of bleeds into um, real life when looking at statistics involving um, how indigenous women are treated by their sexual partners and how they're treated by people who they're in a relationship with. They, generally speaking, despite representing like a lower scale of the population, always um, have a higher rate of being single mothers, have a higher rate of being murdered by their um, spouses or partners. It's, um, it's learned behavior that people learn oftentimes through the media they consume. You know, I know a good story that has like the perfect representation of how awful that is. You know the, the story of Cindy Galdi? I think that's how you say her name. Um, she was a sex worker and she was she bled out in a bathroom in a hotel and they were just like, oh, it's just rough sex gone wrong. But you know what, if that was a white woman, people would have been all over it in the media saying like justice for this woman. But because she was a sex worker, it was like, oh, well, she just did that to herself just mm -hmm. by existing. But I did some research and it turns out that because of how poor most of the reserves are, indigenous women have no choice but to go into sex works because that's the only place that they can go. Yeah, it's something that is ingrained by every single facet of the, the, these women's lives. And the idea and the fact that that's what they're told they should do and that's what they're told there should be and being treated less valuable by people, it, uh, it gives them almost no further option. So I think yeah. that's something that like how sort of ingrained in like our, in society it is that this is kind of the path that indigenous women uh, are forced to go forth into. And it's just awful to hear. It is. It's awful and it's... 
um, it's something that is really interesting too when we look at it through the way that not only do men think of that, um, kind of take indigenous women as like this more sexual, um, promiscuous and less important figure, but also the way in which um, other women do too, through ways such as um, um, as like sexy indigenous costumes and stuff like that, that um, use cultural appropriation and sexualization to kind of degrade and devalue this culture. You know what else has that? It also has an effect on the youth as well. Mm -hmm. There's this book called If I Go Missing, and it talks about this 14-year-old girl that says, if I ever go missing, please search for me. And it's like, oh my God, you're literally 14. Mm -hmm. This shouldn't have to be a thought through a 14-year-old's head that if I go missing, please look for me. Just because, like, I'm, I contribute to society, please come and find me. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of what she pointed out, was that I contribute to society. I have friends, and I do all of these things, so please search for me. But you shouldn't have to say, like, oh, here's my value to society, so, like, look for me. They shouldn't have to say that. It should just be, you exist, so they should be looking for you. Another important part of the book I'd like to factor in is the fact that, it, it yeah, it, it, going off of what you said, it also kind of there is a part a portion of it that feels kind of like it's has to reject all those stereotypes it has to reject it because they're so what you expect that if you're not openly rejecting it people will assume that and it's uh she's 14 years old as you were saying before and um she's already being sub subjected to the kind of like the expectations that are seen upon indigenous women it's just like when they tell like young girls like don't dress that way and like don't go out too late at night to like these young girls who have no idea what that would even mean. Mm-hmm. Like it sucks that people that like young girls have to be subjected to that type of behavior at such a young age. Yeah. It really is just an uh an escalation of what all kind of women have to grow up facing, but it's so much worse. And you can see that in statistics too when looking at like um Violence, um, a statistic that I thought was interesting here was between 2000 and 2008, Aboriginal women and girls represented approximately 10% of all female homicides in Canada. However, Indigenous women make up only 3% of the female population. That's awful. Yeah, it's, um, Indigenous women are consistently overrepresented into statistics like this. They represent such a low population and are constantly being um, representing high high populations on things such as um, missing uh, missing people and murders and sexual assault numbers and it's it's consistent throughout history and it's something that this was an early, um, a somewhat dated statistic but like if you look at numbers from more recently they are quite similar still to this day. And it's just awful that it has to be that way. Even as like a teenage girl going home from school, from work myself, if it's past a certain time of night and it gets dark, I'm not leaving my work without getting driven by like somebody or getting w- mm-hmm. walked home by somebody because I, I'm too scared to walk by myself. And I can only imagine how an indigenous woman would feel if she had to, every time she left her house, doesn't matter what time of day it was, that just when she left her house, she had to worry about like something like that happening. I think it's also important to take into, a f- like, uh, to think about how 
this could affect your views of your self-image, seeing these numbers constantly so high. Indigenous women are um, also more likely to experience spousal violence and um, violence within their home. And a, a part of the reason for that is because uh, they just, it's when you teach somebody that like they're less important, oftentimes they don't know how to, you know, like get themselves out of those situations. And the fact that the police have a lower, uh, like don't care as much and don't pay attention as much to uh, cases revolving around Indigenous women um, puts these women in a position where they think that's all they can do or that even that if they're in this situation there's no possibility for them to get out yeah and also like indigenous women are just seen as like those like submissive girls they're just mm -hmm. there for like your pleasure a good example of this would be peter pan yeah and um oh the name leaves me of what the girl tiger lily tiger lily yeah so tiger lily for, throughout the entire movie never speaks and she's always seen as, like, very submissive. And, like, she won't save herself when she clearly can. And, like, situations like that. And she just sits next to her dad while he does everything. And I could go into detail about how awful that part of the movie is. But, like, just having her as that, like, submissive, doesn't speak, doesn't do anything. And is just there to strictly get on Peter Pan's nerves and Wendy's nerves mm -hmm. and everything. And, like, it's just awful that she's represented like that. And that's when there is representation. Obviously not positive, but think of how little there is in general. There's, whereas with uh, Indigenous men, you can definitely search for more positive representation out there. There, um, unless if it is over-sexualized or seen as submissive or seen as this promiscuous bad person, there almost is no representation at all. It's limited to the point of it, I was attempting to find any positive representation and it was really, really hard for me when trying to like do research for this. You know what didn't help? The fact that Western movies exist. That didn't help with like representation at all in yes. those movies. Uh, Westerns, yeah. Um, Westerns, generally speaking, don't e don't usually show a lot of women in. It's just, there is a lot of white women in it, and they're usually seen as more kidnapped figures and things to be fawned over. And then indigenous women are either not there, or they are purely used as some measure of sexual gain for the um, usually the white count um, male. Um, when talking about how this factors into real life, there's three sort of important things to think about. How it factors into the lives of uh, the actual women and how it factors into the ideas that um, non-Indigenous men have about um, Indigenous women and the ideas that uh, non-Indigenous women have about Indigenous women. And I think the, sec uh, the third of those is the saddest because um, uh, when sort of diving into like feminism and issues such as that, um, there's almost no mention of uh, certain ways in which Indigenous women are treated that are different from white women or different from black women or any sort of ways like that. 
um, there's sort of this loss of like intersectionality when it comes to that. You don't see people really mention it or really take into consideration this. Um, yeah, um, I noticed that too. Uh, yeah, because intersectionality has been a very trending topic as of lately mm -hmm. with things such as like how um, uh, gender theory plays into race theory and stuff like that. But I, I almost never see any mentions of how um, indigenous people are supposed to be factored into this. You never see specific mentions of stuff like that. Yes, race um, is sometimes um, considered, but very um, it's very rare that I see mentions of how different and unique the experiences of indigenous women specifically are. Um, and also, um, the, um, the intersections with things like sexuality and gender that come into play when talking about indigenous women who have a totally unique experience and kind of relationship with that to any other sort of um, culture. Yeah, I definitely see that as well. Well, it looks like we may have to wrap up soon. It was nice chatting with you. It was nice chatting with you. Do you have any closing statements? Um, I would say that we need somebody like that one girl from Vogue. What was her name? I'm not sure. She was um She was on she was on Vogue and she was an she's an indigenous woman who was able to make it on Vogue and has been on the runway several times. I think that there should be a movie made about her because then that would be amazing representation in the media because she is so like she's wow when I read her article. I just like her name is totally leaving me right now. Lana Chasing Horse? Yes, that's her name. Yes. Um I think that's all we can honestly ask for is for the media to do better and hope that that will make a lasting impact on how they're treated in real life and how um, we see them depicted further on into the future. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Okay. This podcast features the singer Fawn Wood and all rights go to her company. This podcast was recorded in a library studio. Both authors are Chris Cook and Regan. Hey, 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 hey,